January Littlejohn is a licensed mental health professional. Yet even with her expertise, she felt powerless against her daughter's school officials when they refused to give her information about her daughter wanting to change genders. But feeling powerless and actually being powerless are two different things. This mama was not going to let the school condone life-altering decisions affecting her daughter. Instead, she rose up, she gathered all her strength, and she fought to save her daughter. That's coming up next. Welcome to the Moms for America podcast. Each week, special guests tackle the issues facing the moms of America today. Discussions include personal stories and advice on how moms can build a strong foundation of faith, family, and freedom in their homes and country. Hi, moms. I'm Debbie Krillitis. And yes, welcome to the Moms for America podcast. I'm so glad that you're back. Uh, We love having you here every week. Uh, Always at the top of the show, I do want to invite all of our listeners to like and subscribe to our podcast. I know everybody asks people to do that, but it's so important to like and subscribe and to share. We also want you sharing our podcasts. Uh, Today's podcast is very intense, very informative, and I know that it is for a lot of moms right now dealing with issues uh, with their children. So please share the podcast. Also, for the moms that are listening, I want to invite you to join our movement here at Moms for America. Come on, join the sisterhood here. We are moms uniting all across the country to fight for faith, family, freedom, and the Constitution. You can check us out at momsforamerica.us, see all of our information, our who, what, why, our resources, uh, everything there at momsforamerica.us. We really would love for you to join our family, and we would love to help you in your journey through motherhood. Also, if you have an idea or a topic, I love hearing from everyone. So thanks to everyone that has contacted us with suggestions. We do try to do those as often as we can. You can email me at podcast at momsforamerica.net. Again, that is podcast momsforamerica.net. I would love to hear from you and any suggested uh, topics, guests, whatever. I love to hear from you. On to today's program. January Little John was happy when her smart and quirky daughter found a group of friends when she became a teenager, right? Like all moms would. But red flags started to arise when this group of girls heavily focused their attention on the LGBTQ media and started transitioning. Her daughter soon followed, expressing a desire to change genders, and the school fully supported her. In fact, they claimed that her daughter had a right to privacy from her parents. This left January and her husband seemingly without any rights over their child. Welcome January to the Moms for America podcast. Thank you for joining us. We're delighted to have you and hear this amazing story. Thank you so much for having me. All right, January, in the beginning of this, uh, the episodes, we always try to learn a little bit about everybody's family. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about uh, your tribe over there and um, introduce us to them? Sure. So I live in Tallahassee, Florida, and I have three children. I'm a licensed mental health counselor, but I'm a stay-at-home mom, so I'm not currently practicing. My kids are now 16, 15, and 12. So prior to COVID, I was living the quintessential soccer mom (laughs) life, where, you know, the majority of my free time was spent volunteering at my kids' schools. I've served on PTO boards and just really that took up most of my free time. Right. From what I understand, you're very active in your community and active in in your children's schooling, um, which is another very important thing that all of us need to be doing. But uh, you have quite an amazing story. And probably January, now that you've been speaking around the country and sharing it, you probably hear that this is happening more than we think um, in sad stories like this. So Yours turned out well, but it was really um, heroic to you and your husband. Um, I know this all revolves around your daughter. So um, can you tell us a little bit about who she was at this time so we can kind of get a chance to know her and we'll discuss her journey and what happened with her? Sure. So this all started back in 2019, 2020. My daughter was 13 at the time. She is diagnosed with ADHD, but she's also gifted. And so with many of these kids, sometimes that can read like spectrum behavior. Okay. Um, And the reason that is, is because 
with the ADHD, she's emotionally behind her peers in terms of maturity, but her IQ is so high. And so until she matures and her brain kind of catches up, her mm -hmm. maturity catches up with where her IQ is, she's quirky. Like a lot of kids are that have ADHD. Social situations are difficult for her and okay. she struggled to fit in and make friends. In middle school, she found a friend group that seemed to really embrace her with open arms. And initially my husband and I were thrilled. We were very excited. Right. And that quickly turned when we started seeing that this friend group was hyper-focused on anything to do with LGBTQ issues and identities. Now, so, can I ask you, how did you find that out? So what that looks like is all conversations were redirected to, oh, did you know that he was gay? You know, when you're uh, talking about like historical figures or um, she is an artist, like many of these kids that fall prey to this ideology are, and she was drawing their portraits in their pride flag colors. Okay. And so each of these identities, whether it's a sexual orientation or gender identity, has corresponding colors and right. flags. So mm -hmm. it's very much marketed and com commercialized directly to these kids. Right. Like we see a target identities. right now, right? Like we see a target right now. You walk in and you cannot see, but pride, but the trans, the, but the, right. the flags, the colors. So she starts right. incorporating this into her artwork and basically into her language with you. Well, and that really with this friend group, it became the first set of questions that they would ask another student. Well, what mm -hmm. is your flag? And so for a lot of these kids, it really becomes their entire identity. Oh. And I, that's really important for parents to understand. And, and the mechanism that this happens is through friend groups, through TikToks, through YouTube, there are, there are a lot of trans influencers out there that are very seducing right. um, to these kids. And then, of course, you have GSA clubs and, in some cases, activist teachers that are actively pushing right. gender ideology in the classroom. Right. For my daughter, it was mostly with this friend group. Mm -hmm. She had three other friends that had suddenly started identifying as transgender. And this was the 2019-2020 school year, just prior to the shutdown in March. And what I think people don't necessarily understand is when you hear the word transgender, you assume that the person is trying to identify as the opposite sex, that they're experiencing distress over how they were born. And that is just not the case anymore. Gender ideology today teaches children that they can be male, female, neither, or both, and that your gender identity is completely separate from your biological sex and that you choose your gender identity. It's right. a really nonsensical pseudoscience that has infiltrated every aspect of our culture, children's yeah. entertainment, Disney, Target, you see it everywhere now with yeah. terms like non-binary, non gender right. fluid. And if you were to Google how many gender identities are there, I think we are up to 72. And so right. parents need to have an understanding of what is really out there that mm -hmm. their kids are consuming. Now, so you, for my, you, I mm -hmm. just want to ask you, you as a therapist yourself, uh, were you um, up to speed on this or is this something that has, has taken so quickly? It feels like it's just been so aggressive so quickly, even though I know the agenda has been around for a long time. That even That's therapists, a great question. Right. Know? So I was trained back in the early 2000s. This was non-existent. Right. The term non-binary was never used in my graduate program. We were trained in terms of sexual orientation and how to treat different populations that may have differing issues. Mm -hmm. But I did not have one client that had any kind of sex confusion or was identifying as transgender, not one. And my specialty was the adolescent young adult population. And so what we've really seen is in the last seven or eight years, this yeah. explosion of gender ideology and the emphasis of activism on the T, the transgender mm -hmm. of the LGBTQ activism. Yeah. Wow. 
Wow. And I think this is just such an important note for us because things have changed so quickly, so aggressively. It's a new day. It's a new world. Um, right. Now, when your daughter was with her group of friends and kind of now um, in this in this world, I'll call it, was this through social media? Because from what I understand, you really did a good job kind of protecting her with social media, which a lot of, and I want to bring this up because a lot of parents figure, well, I've got a block, I've got, you know, a mirror, I've got all these different things on the phones, but kids are able to get around all this. I had Mark, we were very careful. She was not allowed to even have Pinterest, much much less Snapchat or TikTok or Facebook. She had zero social media and it didn't matter because when you have a smartphone, you have unlimited access to any information, even Mm -hmm. with those restrictions and protections. And the other thing that parents need to understand is she was getting sent a lot of memes in the form of anime. That's a really big part of these identities. So even though she wasn't in these Discord chat rooms, her friend group was sending her these memes and this gender propaganda to indoctrinate her into this false belief system. So it really, it, you know, we did our best to protect her right. in the way that we thought was smart. But honestly, I am no longer, of a, uh, I'm no longer a proponent of any child under the age of 17 having a smartphone. There yeah. are just too many alternatives now, like the Gab phone, where right. it has everything that a parent needs in order to communicate with their child without the dangers that social media and the internet bring along with them. 100%, But With my daughter, she, at the height of COVID, this is kind of, you know, when the ball dropped for our family, out of nowhere, she came to us and said, mom, I no longer feel like a girl. And so this was a shock to both my husband and myself. And like I said, I had seen some red flags when she had come home and said, oh, mom, such and such is going by a different name. Now it's this. And so she was kind of throwing around these terms Mm. and I kind of just was marinating on them, but not acting on them because I didn't Mm. fully even understand what was happening, to be honest. And because I'm so active in the schools, I wasn't seeing any direct indoctrination occurring at that time. So when my daughter came to us, this was the height of COVID. You have mentioned that there were a lot of children who were struggling with their mental health during that time. It was a scary time. It was confusing. They completely shut the schools down. Our county, even though we are in the great state of Florida, is very blue. So all of the parks were closed. I mean, we just had a really tough time during COVID here in Tallahassee. So we were really struggling to make sense of what our daughter was telling us and trying to support her in the best way we could. I took this seriously as a counselor and I knew that she was already struggling with other co-occurring mental health issues like anxiety and her ADHD. So we elicited the help of a mental health professional. And when school started that fall, so fall of 2020, we knew Can she wanted- Can I ask wanted, you real quick, sure. Junior, when she told you this, how did you respond? Because I know a lot of parents don't even know how to respond or what to say. Do you, uh, do you, you love them through everything, right? We love our kids through everything. Um, did you just say, we're going to work through this with you, honey? We're going to get some help. We're going to dive into this. Absolutely. What did you Absolutely. pause and say right there to her? Well, honestly, I made a lot of mistakes that I had to backtrack from. Okay. And I can get into those when we're really talking about advice. But at the time when my daughter came to us and told us this, Abigail Schreier's book, Irreversible Damage, had not yet come out. Uh And when you were to Google, what do you do if your child comes out and identifies as transgender? It's all propaganda. It's all only affirmation information. And as a therapist, that intuitively was not sitting well with me because I didn't understand why 
this issue, which is a mental health issue, you would only affirm, but other mental health issues you treat differently. And this was regardless of co-occurring issues, how long the child had felt this way. And so when you really look at the history of traditional gender dysphoria, it was mostly males and it started in early childhood. So right mm -hmm. away, I knew my daughter did not fit the typical gender dysphoric situation. Right. And I needed at the time just to buy some time to fully understand. But with these gotcha. kids, it escalates very quickly right. where they want a new name and pronouns. They want binders. They may start throwing words around that they don't even fully understand, like puberty blockers and cross-sex right. hormones. And again, and we're talking about a 13-year-old. We're talking Correct. about a child. We're talking about someone who's making a very large decision about her complete identity without, with, with, uh, based on peers. Or wanting to make a decision. You know, right. thankfully, my husband and I intuitively knew that we need to slow this down. Sure. This does not feel healthy. Right. We needed to get her help to work on co-occurring issues. Mm -hmm. But the bottom line is these kids many of them don't even understand what they're even fully saying. Right. They, they don't have the maturity or experience to grasp the irreversible changes of some of these interventions that they're even cavalierly talking about. Mm -hmm. So when school started, we knew that our daughter wanted to go by a different name and pronouns. At the time, she was identifying as non-binary. And that's important to understand because my daughter's identity changed four times over two years. And wow. that is not uncommon with okay. these kids because having an identity crisis during puberty is nothing new. Right. This is a normal part of adolescence where they are exploring right. who they are, oftentimes based on friend groups, trying on different personalities, clothing, mm -hmm. hairstyles, and seeing where they fit in in the world. Right. What's and like you said, four times, four times she's right, changing. When, and I right. could see that because we all know that we, when we have a, a 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, they change their mind a hundred times about everything. They're just right. really, they're just, they're a child's heart, a child's mind. So um, right. they're so influenced. Uh, and, and so I, I wanted to get, have you talk to about this watchful waiting, because this kind of is, is around this time, right? When, when our kids go through something, I like for you to explain it because you'll do it much better than I am. We need to let them have um, a little bit of freedom to figure out who they are. And again, not as deep as changing their gender, but we have to let them, like you're saying it, 13 people go through situations during puberty. Well, that's exactly right. And watchful waiting was the treatment protocol before activism overtook our psychological and medical field when it comes to gender dysphoria. Mm -hmm. And what that means was, is you give the child time and space to explore who they are without social transitioning and without any medical interventions. And in 2007, that was when the first pediatric gender clinic opened in Boston. And since then, we have had this explosion of pediatric gender clinics. I think we are up to almost 60, but that does not even include private doctor's offices that are prescribing puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones to children. And when I did a deep dive into this issue, and I think most parents are, and you start to really pull the layers away of what mm -hmm. gender-affirming care is, you are shocked to learn that we are using off-label, non-FDA-approved medications yeah. to stop the puberty of children. And we're now seeing that that has devastating consequences on yeah. bone density. They're thinking it could even impact brain maturity because right. so many things happen during the puberty process that we don't even fully understand. How but could anyone think that that's healthy? I don't even understand that. And I, I do know some parents that their kids asked for puberty blockers and they were like, no, we have no idea what this could mean to you in your forties and your fifties. I mean, how could this even be? Right. <sighs> well, but you think about it. We are conditioned as parents to trust doctors. Right. 
we see a person in a white coat that has gone to medical school for eight plus years, and we expect them to be the expert right. and to give us all of the treatment options available. Right. And when it comes to this issue, that is not what's happening. You know, right. you think you're going to an expert, but in reality, you're going to an activist. And that is really quite tragic because the parents, what I realized, they were not being given all of the treatment options available and they weren't even being given all of the information available, such as with watchful waiting with the kids that truly had traditional gender dysphoria that started in early childhood, upwards of 85 and sometimes even higher in terms of the percentage of these kids would outgrow or resolve right. their distress by early adulthood. So when you think about how, how high that number is of these kids that would desist, which right. means they outgrow their distress over their sex, that is an incredibly high number to be right. playing Russian roulette with. Right. And, and no one wants to talk about these, that. Well, putting all children on this regimen of puberty blockers and cross-sex hormone, regardless right of how long they had felt this way, when it started. Because what I learned was many of these girls, because now it's predominantly adolescent girls that make up the majority of trans-identified patients. Many of these girls have previous trauma, sometimes sexual abuse, mm -hmm. eating disorders, self-harm, really significant co-occurring mental health issues. And Stephanie Wynn is a therapist who specializes in this issue, and she describes it as diagnostic overshadowing, where mm -hmm. all of those issues are swept aside in the name of gender identity. So as right. soon as the child says, well, I'm transgender, they say, oh, well, this will all resolve itself if you medically transition. Right, not, so not deal really with fast, the heart of any issues. Right. That's right. They're really fast-tracking these kids, mm -hmm. and it's making them not only a medical patient for life, yeah. but it results in sterilizing these children and destroying their sexual, their future sexual functioning yeah. before they even fully understand what it even means to be sexual beings. I mean, yeah. we're talking really nefarious, evil things that are happening when it comes to experimenting on children in sure the name is. of gender identity. What was happening at the school at this time? I wanted to ask you about that. Were they, some of the schools support the student, they don't tell the parents, um, what was happening there? So I had never heard of any schools doing what happened to my daughter at the time. I have since learned that what happened to our family was not an isolated incident. So when my daughter went back to school in the fall of 2020, we knew she wanted to go by a different name and pronouns, but we thought it would be treated by a nickname. And I naively thought that we couldn't stop that from happening. I now know better. And I'll, I'll get to more of that later because I don't think parents fully understand the power that they possess when it comes yes. to their children. That's right. And so... I had notified a teacher, let her know, because I saw the school as a partner during this time. I had no reason not to trust them. I'm a product of public schooling. My husband is. I was volunteer of the year right. at That's this middle school. Here. Right. So you were very engaged. You knew. I was very engaged. Yeah. I knew most of the teachers. And I had no reason at the time not to trust that they had my daughter's best interest at heart and would partner with me every step of the way. Because like I said, she does have a 504 plan for her ADHD. So I know that they can't execute the 504 plan without my signature. They can't give her medication without my signature. They can't even show her a PG-13 movie without my permission, even though she's 13. So when school started, I told a teacher and let her know that we were not affirming at home. And I even told her that I thought my daughter's trans identity was directly related to her friend group. Mm -hmm. A couple of weeks went by and my daughter got into the car and said, mom, I had a meeting today about my name and they asked me which restroom I wanted to go to use. Oh. And I said, what? And again, she was identifying it as non-binary. So I've never seen a non-binary restroom. Like it did not even occur to me 
A, that they would even ask her these types of questions and B, why they would need to ask her. They know she's a girl. Like this isn't mysterious. And so I immediately contacted the guidance counselor and expressed my concern and outrage that my daughter says she had a meeting that I was not aware of and I wanted to know what happened mm-hmm. and that I had serious safety concerns that she would be asking my daughter which restroom she wanted to use. I was immediately called back with both the guidance counselor and assistant principal. And I was mm-hmm. told, Mrs. Littlejohn, we can no lo- we can no longer tell you anything that happened at this meeting. Your daughter is now protected under a non-discrimination law. Shocking. Shocking. My daughter's 13. And I asked the question, I said, what law are you talking about? Right. And they said, I'm the, well, I'm the parent. <laughs> that's right. I said, I need to understand the law and this is unacceptable. And they said, well, your only recourse is to contact the assistant superintendent who was the Title IX coordinator. So she oversaw all of these issues and policies and procedures. So I did. And this took many weeks. We went back and forth for about five or six weeks. And we were finally shown the transgender, gender nonconforming support plan that they had created with my 13-year-old daughter behind closed doors without our knowledge or consent. And so it took a long time even to get an in-person meeting at the school with the principal. But when we were shown this plan, I almost fell out of my chair. I was so angry. I was shaking because it wasn't just name and pronouns they asked her about or even the restroom. They asked her which locker room she preferred to use and which sex she preferred to room with on overnight field trips. Wow. Then at the end of the support plan, and these are very, um, this is a support plan that is essentially the same type of plan being used all over our country. It's from a company called Gender Spectrum. Mm. And so at the end of the plan, they do something very nefarious. They ask the child, how should we refer to you when speaking to your parents? Should we go, should we use your birth name and pronouns or your preferred name and pronouns? So right then, the child is getting the sole determination as to whether or not their parents are going to know that the school has just socially transitioned their child. Right. And And, and and they become the safe like you can trust us. We will help you. Oh, they become like absolutely. the the pseudo parent, and uh, and the child is is mm-hmm. is in their mind trying to figure out. Well, if I don't tell my parents, but I've got, they're in my corner. You know. Well, and in fact, on these plans, it even designates safe people for the child to go to. So that sends a very clear message to right. that child that my parents are no longer safe, and their input is no longer wanted or needed. And everybody knows, everybody from the cafeteria worker to the students, to the teachers, to the admin, the only people in the dark are the parents who love that child the most. And I think this is a very important part for us to pause on for a moment, because mm -hmm. this is what's happening in the schools. And I think when we get to the the base of this, parents need to work through these important situations and discussions and... uh, life-altering situations, not the school. It's a parental family situation and the school has overstepped. This is parents all the way. Well, 100%. And it's not even just a parent situation. These social transitions that they're doing behind closed doors and with my daughter, there were three adults with her. It was the guidance counselor, a social worker I had never met and an assistant principal. So think about that dynamic right there. You've got three adults with a 13-year-old child and you don't bring her parent in. This is so my weird. number one job is to protect my child. And That's the right. school took that away from me. But what this social transition is, this is a psychosocial medical intervention. Schools are grossly unqualified to be taking these steps, but especially without parental involvement. It is right. our job. to get our child the medical and mental health care that he or she needs. 
And when parents are excluded from these gender transition plans, they are kept in the dark of potential co-occurring mental health issues that child may be experiencing, like what happened in Clay County, where a 12-year-old girl attempted to hang herself on school property after meeting for months in secret with a school counselor there. So we're talking horrific consequences that could occur by cutting parents out of these critical decisions being made with their children. So at the point of discovering this, talking to the school, uh, did you take her out? Where did you, where did you go with this now? Now you've got all the information and I know you and your husband made some important decisions now. You know, looking back, we were, we were really in shock about a lot of it, to be honest. And we continue to ask for the legal justification. Well, we were finally showed the Leon County LGBTQ guide. And it was about a 38 to 40 page guide. And in this guide, it was very explicit to train the teachers that parents may be a danger to their child. And under no circumstances should you ever out a child to their parents because it could lead to abuse and homelessness. And so they were taking this false narrative Mm -hmm. and presuming all parents to be a danger to their child, but only in this one area. Because if you look at research or anytime what a school says about parental involvement, it's Mm -hmm. always welcome. It's necessary for positive student outcomes, except in this issue. Except in this issue, yeah. That's right. And so what I had learned is there was an activist group in Florida called Equality Florida that had infiltrated since 2015, 2016, 63 out of 67 Florida districts. So they would go into the schools under the guise of safety, inclusivity, and anti-bullying. Those are key words that you hear over and over. And let me be clear, I don't believe a child should ever be bullied or treated badly or discriminated against for any reason. Mm -hmm. But this was a purposeful attempt to undermine parental authority and cut parents out of decisions being made at school. Right. You were excluded. And I realized this was not isolated. We found these LGBTQ guides all over the state of Florida. And some of them were 120 pages. So just pages and pages and pages. And oftentimes they were misrepresenting FERPA. They were misrepresenting um, or they were trying to like state that the Bostic case at the Supreme Court level applied to other areas that it didn't. So they would they were essentially lying about what the law actually said and making school districts believe that they had to follow these guides. And they were called guides for a very specific reason, because Mm. if you call something a policy, it has yeah. to go through school board approval. Interesting, but if you call right. it a guide, you can train everybody under the sun at the school, but it right. never has to go through the light of day. It's and suggested ma- material, right? Many, many parents, including myself, had no idea that these support plans even existed or these LGBTQ guides existed. We had no clue. No. Did you go to the school? Is there a court case? Is it something you're pursuing? So again, we naively thought, okay, if we expose, you know, if we tell the superintendent and we tell the principal what we've uncovered about the social contagion aspect of a lot of these girls coming out and how it leads to medical harm, I really thought in my heart that they were going to care, that they would listen and that mm-hmm. this they would be as outraged and upset and concerned as I was as a parent that we mm-hmm. had this explosion of teen girls wanting to get double mastectomies before yeah. they're even 18, before they're even done with puberty. And I'm limited in what I can say, but it took us, so the, the meeting happened with my daughter in September of 2020 we made the very difficult decision to file a federal lawsuit, but not until October of 2021. We tried very hard to resolve this without even seeking out attorneys. That was never even in my mind 
at the time of this happening. I truly thought that we were going to be able to resolve this amicably without us having to take these steps because it put our family in a difficult situation. Right. Who wants to go through this? You just want to get right. this fixed. You want someone to admit they did it wrong, change the policy and get this figured out for right. sake of your daughter and everyone else's in the school too. So but what I realized is sunlight is the best disinfectant mm. and as pervasive as this is, they they weren't going to stop. Okay. They were they were on a path to incorporate and indoctrinate. If the superintendent had followed through on what he had promised, we wouldn't be where we are. Okay. So we we did end up filing filing the federal lawsuit. The judge granted the district's motion to dismiss this past December. So we are now appealing the judge's dismissal to the 11th Circuit. And we're optimistic because the judge's ruling, he did not negate any of the factual events of what I stated happened. Mm -hmm. So in fact, he said, absolutely, everything happened exactly as Mrs. Littlejohn stated, but he granted the motion to dismiss. And we feel like that flies in the face of the long known Supreme Court ruling that states parents have the fundamental right to direct the upbringing of their children, which does include mental, mental health care and medical care. Right. So you, you're in the midst of this right now, currently. Correct. And where is your daughter now? How is she doing? And I'm, I'm assuming you took her out of the school and she's on a on a different path right now. We did. And that has been a journey in itself. I'm sure. Helping a child walk through this level of confusion and indoctrination is very, very difficult. Yeah. It is exhausting. Um, I would akin it to probably watching your own child be addicted to drugs and slowly kill themselves. It's really, really, and, and I think the difference is in our society, we don't cheer drug addicts along. We don't encourage them to con continue using heroin. And with this issue, it felt like we were in this upside down twilight zone because our daughter was being celebrated for this trans identity. And yeah. she wasn't receiving the same positive affirmation or attention when she was just identifying as a girl. And right. so it's in terribly intoxicating and affirming to these kids who are already feeling like outcasts and misfits. Intoxicating. And what, it's an interesting word to use. I can understand why you're saying that. Yeah. And what I realized was puberty is a tough time for all kids. Yeah. I'm sure it was a tough time for you. I know it sure was right. a tough time for me. As parents, we've watched this with our own kids. This is tough right. times. I mean, you're it's at heightened awareness on all levels, uh, let alone dealing with gender issues and in, 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 in mental health. I mean, right. just getting just getting through junior high is, is tough when you don't have all this. You don't have all the social media. You don't have all the influencers. You don't have all this, like you're saying, intoxicating messaging. Well, it's even worse than that, because instead of these girls getting the message that you and I received was, yes, right. puberty is horrible, but you're going to get through it. It's going to be okay. <laughs> and then you're going to become right. a woman. And it's amazing. Right. And we can have babies and do all of these amazing things that right. women, only sure. women can do. Right. And instead, these girls are being told, if you are uncomfortable with your developing body, it's probably because you're transgender. So think about that messaging. They have now pathologized normal, excuse me, normal puberty experience that we all are meant to go right. through and get on the other side of. And now it's become pathologized. And these girls are receiving this very dangerous message that something is wrong with you if you feel uncomfortable, which that could not be further from the truth. Right. And then they're only being told that, the only way to alleviate this discomfort is to socially and medically transition. And so I think they're creating, it, they're creating it, it, confusion it, and then offering 
a, a one track solution, which yeah. inevitably will absolutely lead to medical and psychological harm. And we're already seeing that in the form of detransitioners coming forward. Oh, such sad stories we're hearing. And you just can't even help them celebrate womanhood. Like you're saying, just becoming a woman. Yes, puberty, you know, it's, it's a tough time and you're going to kind of work through it and you become who you are and just celebrating womanhood. You know, they're, they're just ripping it and, and, and shredding it. Right. And of course, I guess the main goal is, is that no one becomes a mom or has a family and we just create a, a cycle uh, generation of, of um, sad souls. It's already the saddest generation to date. Right. So, and we can understand right. why. Ugh. And the Surgeon General, you know, they just came out with a report two days ago that talks about how awful social media is on the mental health of our children. But yet this is the same administration pushing medical transitioning of children. And they're refusing to acknowledge the social contagion of transgender identities. And so yeah. we have to get back to celebrating womanhood and yes. teaching our sons and daughters that you are male and female. And regardless of how you wear your hair and how you dress, that can never be changed. Right. And it's really important for parents to be celebrating their children for who they are, regardless yeah. of their sex, but also inoculating them from this horrific, insidious ideology. Because it's not if they are exposed, it's when. Even if you have your child in homeschool, or a Christian school, this ideology is everywhere. Right. And right. I am fortunate that my daughter has desisted, which means she no longer identifies as transgender. And it's afforded me the ability to fight as hard as I'm fighting for yeah. other kids and other families. And there is no shortage of families being devastated by this issue. It, it is literally ripping families apart sure. because the kids they are receiving the message that if your parents don't immediately affirm you, they don't love you. Yeah. And think about that. Can you that. imagine? Can you imagine that? Well, and in some states, the kids are being removed from the parents' homes right. if they're not affirming. So a parent- Consider child abuse if you do not uh, that's roll exactly with, right. Right, with what a 12-year-old is deciding to do so, in the influence. Right. Right. So to protect your child from medical harm, in the form of experimental puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones. I mean, think about that. Like your choice in some of these states is to sterilize your child, even though you know they can't consent to this or potentially have them removed from your home. Yeah. Insanity. The world is literally upside down. How is she doing now? She's doing good. She's in a new school. She's on uh, a good journey, I hear. Yes. And so... That is what I do full time now in my free time. Um, I, I'm a volunteer senior fellow with a organization called Do No Harm. And I help parents navigate these issues and give them the resources that I wish I would have had at the start of her trans identification. And the first thing that I tell parents other than inoculating, especially your younger children yeah. that maybe aren't in middle school or haven't been exposed to this, because they need to know when they hear the lies, they need to know how to identify them. And right. they also need to know that if any adult, even a teacher or a doctor tells you it's okay to keep secrets from your parents, you need to tell your mom and dad right away because That's that right. person is dangerous. And so we really have to get back to where we are preparing our children for what's to come. Yeah. And the they need to know the piece, truth in order to know the lies. Right. That's exactly right. And, you know, you said the truth. There's only one truth. Mm -hmm. And we need to be telling our kids the truth. Because yeah. one of the reasons this ideology was able to get so far in our society is we were told, well, you have to be inclusive. You have to be compassionate. Gender dysphoria is a mental health issue. And in other countries, they have gone back and they have pulled away from this medical intervention and they have gone back to psychotherapy and watchful waiting being the first line of defense because the risk of these medical interventions far outweigh the benefits. So what sure. Americans have to understand is we are now outliers 
in terms of how we're treating children with gender dysphoria. But if you do have a child that comes to you, the younger they are, the more time you have. And that's important because in our country and in some states, it's even worse, but I can speak about Florida, you can't get medical interventions like hormones or puberty blockers until you're 18 without parent permission. And so I tell parents that you have to parent this issue like any other issue. And that's really difficult because it's a very scary thing when you have a child that you are watching deteriorate. Mm. And the one of the most important things that I tell parents is the first thing you have to do is repair your relationship with your child. The second thing you need to do simultaneously is mm-hmm. take the smartphone. You've yeah. got to get the smartphones out of these kids' hands. That's it. Keep them yeah. off the internet as much as you possibly can, which I know is challenging because most schools now use Chromebooks in place of textbooks. So we're really, you know, and it's everyone's a communicating time. with these phones. You know, it's like the teachers communicate to the to the baseball team, to this, to that, to that. So you really, uh, it, it is a challenge. But the smartphone, absolutely, major, major uh, contributor to all this in this society. Absolutely, and just I, I think this is benefiting. A lot of the advice I give benefits all children, not just children that are distressed over their gender or their sexual identity, because so many of our kids spend way too much time online. They are Mm -hmm. not interacting in person with people. They're not getting out in nature like we used to see kids doing. Right, riding bikes, yeah. That's right. This ideology is really targeting our most vulnerable kids that already are prey to this. So maybe 10 years ago, these would have been the girls that were cutting or were bulimic or anorexic. So they already have this predisposition to something. And so now this is a way that this is manifesting as a social contagion among these girls. Right. So after you you repair your relationship, take away the phone, make adjustments on that, Where do we go after that, January? You know, it really depends on the child. And I try to empower parents that they are the ultimate decision makers. You Mm -hmm. know your child best, not the schools, not the doctor. And with counseling, parents have to be very careful because many of these counselors have been indoctrinated into only affirming trans identities in their graduate programs. You know, the American School Counselor Association pushes this, even the American Academy of Pediatrics. I mean, all of these major medical and psychological professional associations have been infiltrated by this ideology. Right. We have to be careful where we we send them. Yeah, That's exactly right. So everything that I did with my daughter in terms of an art class, a youth group at church, camps, I had to pre- select them and pre-interview any person that was going to be interacting with my child. And I know that that may seem radical to some people, but this is a radical ideology. And it takes radical steps sometimes to get these kids out. There are some kids that are really just dabbling their toes in it, especially like the 11 and 12 year olds where you can set healthy boundaries Mm -hmm. and the kid comes out of it within six months. They just need some direction and guidance from their parents. And that's what I really empower parents to do is allow your child the space to explore who they are, but by providing healthy boundaries. So what that looks like, for instance, is wear your hair how you want, wear wear whatever clothing you want to a certain extent that the parents are comfortable with, but know that that doesn't change your sex. And know that if you are asking me for anything that is going to be harmful medically or psychologically, the answer is going to be no, because my number one job is to protect you. Right. And I was very clear with my daughter, you know, it was almost like this mantra that I would give to her is that my number one job is to protect you. And you may not understand or agree with it right now, but your brain is not fully mature until age 25. And with kids with, ADHD, it's even later in life. It's usually 27 or 28. 
And so to buy time, I tell parents to talk to their children about brain development and say, when your brain is fully developed and you still want to make these types of decisions and you are financially independent, then that is your right to do that. But until then, right. it's my job to protect you. You know, January, I would tell my, I would tell my son this and my kids always just trust mom and dad because we love you more than right. anything. And we have been given you from heaven's gates and our biggest job here of all is loving you and training you and raising you. So I kept That's always right. saying that to my kids, just trust mom and dad because That's we right. love you more than any anything. And I always felt like that foundation, they always felt like they could come back to. So I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And to let them know that even though it may not seem like it, we always have your best interests at heart. Right. We want to see you grow up to be healthy and happy and productive individuals. And this step that you're trying to take we think is going to harm you. And right. we would just be, be very simple with our language and leave it at that. We would try not to engage in power struggles with her or any real discussion around gender, frankly. And mm -hmm. we just spent a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with her, repairing the relationship, doing things that she enjoyed doing, getting her outside and exercising and away from the trans influencers. And ultimately we did have to move schools. Yeah, and so- that's a very tough issue for some parents. It may not be possible for every parent, but I don't see how my daughter would have come out of this ideology without us changing environments. I think you have to just change the complete atmosphere. Like it is a total reset. And I mean, this is really for any of your kids having a crisis. You as a parent, I think you got to understand that the car is going this way and this car has got to make a huge right turn right. and you That's have right. got to be so aggressive. And I know this is what you oh. did. You just flipped her world upside down lovingly, kindly, and helped right. her rediscover who she really is. Well, and just give her time. Yeah. I mean, that's really what these kids need is time in a neutral environment with healthy boundaries to discover who they are. And these schools are not neutral. These schools, this social transition they're doing, that is not a neutral act. Mm. And so even our own Surgeon General here in Florida gave guidance back in April of last year that no longer recommends any type of social transitioning because that makes it harder for that child to then reverse course. The other thing that I really think is important for parents to know, you've got to give your children the ability to save face. Part of these kids, some of them, not all, but some of them, it's a way of rebellion. And the okay. more you try to talk a child out of this or show them the negative the consequences. Or show them yeah, they're wrong. Right. right. They dig their heels in. My daughter was absolutely like that. But it's really important that they figure out what the root issue is and resolve that. Yeah. Because like I said, a lot of these kids, including my daughter, had other issues. So even though when she walked away from the trans identity, we were still left with those core root issues that still sure. needed a lot of work. Sure. And she is 16 now and completely free of any sex confusion. And it was... It was a long road. It is not a straight line out of this. There were mm -hmm. six steps forward, two steps back. So if your child is in these identities, I want to give parents hope, but I also yeah. want them to know this takes a long time. Yeah. It is heavy parenting. It is. Absolutely. Uh, you are in there uh, every day, every moment uh, when a child has a situation like this. And like you said, I know it's not easy. Uh, again, January, can you mention where folks could get connected with you and find out information? Because I know that moms are are listening right now and want to make sure that they know where they could go for help. Sure. So do no harm org is the organization that I'm a part of, but there are also a lot of other resources now that were not available at the time of my daughter being confused. And some of those are genspect.org, Our Duty, Partners for Ethical Care, and Advocates Protecting Children. 
I would say those are some of the main um, organizations fighting this ideology, but also helping parents to navigate this. And mm -hmm. one of the best things that helped us communicate and interact with our daughter was called Inspired Teen Therapy mm. by Sasha Ayad. And Sasha Ayad has become an expert in rapid onset gender dysphoric teens. Oh, and wow. she has helped thousands of parents and her online forum has videos, articles. She does a monthly Q and A. I mean, it's really an incredible, incredible resource for parents. There are also some support groups and other things that are more private and confidential yeah. that I would be happy to connect parents with if they contact me. Well, all of those uh, resources that you mentioned, we are going to make those available to our moms. This podcast is available to moms all across the country. Your story is inspiring. Um, it's tough. We know a lot of moms are dealing with this, but there is hope. It is a journey. You can make it through that. And number one, we want healthy children. We want kids to, you know, we want them to, like you said, to flourish and to grow and to have a great life and live out the American dream. And that's what we want as parents. You know, we're, that's we're right. not, we're not um, taking on anything except our kids. And we don't want right. to shame someone else that is going through something else, but we want to help our tribe, our home in our four, four walls. That's what's most important to us as moms. So that's I so right. appreciate you sharing your story. Wow. Yeah. And, and for parents that have made some mistakes, you're not alone. Yeah, and I welcome to the you, club, right? Yeah. It's, it's never too late to walk it back because I do worry that we're going to have a lot of parents waking up to the reality that this was all a lie and that they were given bad medical information. And I want to give those parents hope too. I have success stories of parents that have socially transitioned their child, but then have walked that back. Wow. So it is, it's tough, but we can love our children through a lot. And that is absolutely our job as parents. This is no different. And I hope that I can empower parents to understand and help that, you know, help them navigate this issues with their own children. Wow. Great interview. Thank you for sharing your story. I know you talk all across the country on this and I could see why you're, um, you're just, you're an inspiration. That's really it. Moms like you. Wow. They're just taking it on. They're not letting their kids, they're not checking out. They're checking in That's double right. time. So thank you, January. And uh, please say hi to your family from Moms for America. And we just wish you guys all the very best. Thank you so much for having me. What a powerful story. Uh, amazing. No parent wants to go through what January did. Uh, her daughter, uh, her family, they experienced a lot, but they are a great example of how important it is for parents to stay connected and to be the champions for their kids to fight for them. So thank you again, January, and thank you for sharing your story. Uh, here at Moms for America, we are committed to helping you moms through all of these journeys uh, through motherhood. I do want to invite you to, again, join our tribe. Come to momsforamerica.us. Uh, we've got so many resources on so many topics, just like today's topic, that will help you to raise your children to be strong, virtuous kids. Uh, when you come by our website, would you sign up for our weekly newsletter at momsforamerica.us? This is how we can keep you up to date with all of our information and our resources and connect you with moms all across the country, just like January. Also, when you are there, would you please check out our signature program, which is called the Cottage Meetings. It is 12 lessons that inspire and educate you about America's amazing heritage so that you can share the principles of liberty in your home and in your community. Again, please check out the Cottage Meetings, um, Healing of America, Liberty Kids, we have got it all for you. This program, along with all these others, will really help you impact your family in a very powerful way. We say this from parental rights to public policy, you know, from the kitchen table to Congress, Moms for America has it all and we have it all for you. Um, moms, we believe that liberty really begins at home and that you are the heartbeat of America. So every week I wanna encourage you to stay strong and stay committed and to um, you know, just stay powerful because it is a tough world and it is a tough, tough culture. 
and this movement is here to help you. So please share this with your mom friends again. We're gonna have another one next week uh, that's very interesting, very inspiring, another great informative discussion for moms just like you. So moms, let's keep changing our world one home at a time, and I will talk to you soon. See you next week. Thank you.